A reading from the book of the prophet Malachi. A great king am I, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. And now, O priests, this commandment is for you. If you do not listen, if you do not lay it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you, and of your blessing I will make a curse. You have turned aside from the way and have caused many to falter by your instruction. You have made void the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. I therefore have made you contemptible and base before all people, since you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your decisions. Have we not all the one Father? Has not one God created us? Then when do we break faith with one another, violating the covenant of our fathers? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. is not proud, nor are my eyes haughty. I busy not myself with great things, nor with things too sublime for me. In you, O Lord, I have found my peace. Nay, rather, I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child, like a weaned child on its mother's lap so is my soul within me. In you, O Lord, I have found my peace. O Israel, hope in the Lord, both now and forever. In you, O Lord, I have found my peace. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, we were gentle among you as a nursing mother cares for her children. With such affection for you, we were determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very selves as well. So dearly beloved, had you become to us, you recall, brothers and sisters, our toil and drudgery working night and day in order not to burden any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. And for this reason, we too give thanks to God unceasingly, that in receiving the word of God from hearing us, you receive not a human word, but as it truly is, the word of God, which is now at work in you who believe. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. 
Alleluia, Alleluia. You have but one Father in heaven and one Master, the Christ. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and a salutation, Rabbi. As for you, do not be called Rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Today we enter the 23rd chapter of the, of the Gospel of St. Matthew. This 23rd chapter presents us with the finale, the, the finale of the confrontations, the encounters Jesus has been having with the religious, religious leadership of the time, primarily the Pharisees and the scribes. The Sadducees were also a part of it, but by far the most popular of those uh, contemporaries of Jesus were the Pharisees. They were the scholars. They would be considered what we call our modern-day scholars of the Scripture for the Jews. That was, that was the Pharisees' position. And we hear Jesus today speaking uh, to the crowds and to his disciples in relationship. He's referencing the Pharisees so as, with a very severe word. First, he affirms their position of authority. They do occupy the chair, the seat, 
that was once that was and so if you go into the synagogues in the ancient times there was a stone chair that was set up and it represented the authority of Moses so the person who was the leader of the liturgy of the synagogue they would sit in that position in that posture and they would present the teaching whatever it might be whatever scripture they would use so this is what Jesus is affirming but he's now exposing their hypocrisy they teach the law, but they don't practice it. And so this is a word of warning to the early members of his disciples there, those who are gathered, that they be mindful of the pitfalls of being that way in relationship to the covenant he's establishing with us and that we are all now participants in. It's, not, it's, not, uh, it's a very slippery slope sometimes to not let your office, not let the the attention and the esteem that the community gives to you to go to your head to the point where you forget that you're under the lordship of God. That all fatherhood, all of these titles as such emanate from God. You have one Christ, one teacher, and you know the term rabbi means my great one. That's the Hebrew, the actual translation in Hebrew means my great one. Could you imagine somebody coming, oh my great one. So, but, but this is the reality. So it's, again, Jesus isn't, he's not uh, prohibiting, he's not prohibiting, he's not prohibiting the use of the title. He understands the titles and the distinction that's being made as it pertains to those who have the responsibility of teaching and leading the people in the, in the ways of God as, 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 as instructors as what, or whatnot, as leaders. But what he's saying is, He's highlighting how the Pharisees were going about it. And we hear the, the uh, fire and brimstone word of the prophet Malachi. He was definitely fire and brimstone. And he's condemning the priest of the times and saying that they, they have been such so despicable in doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were actually allowing the people, and in many ways promoting to the people that it was okay to bring the animal sacrifices and so forth that what the Mosaic law called for to bring them in any condition when they were supposed to be bringing the first of the best, the best of the best of whatever they were offering to the Lord. They, he was allowing them to bring uh, animals that were deformed and different things like that and possibly allowing it to be done uh, if they gave them enough money. You know, a little bribe here, a little bribe there. Father, you know, please, you know. So however it was happening, it, was, it, it, it really hurt the heart of God. And Malachi had to give them a judgment. He says, now it is, this is the judgment. Your blessing will now be the curse. What you say and what you do will have no weight whatsoever because God is withholding. Because you, 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 you embrace the blessings of God, but you neglect the works of God. So they were very happy to receive the favor of God, but did not attend to the things of God. And that can happen to all of us. I remember Pope St. John Paul II saying, those of us who are the disciples of Jesus, who have been entrusted with the work of the Lord, we must be mindful and careful that we don't get so preoccupied with the work of the Lord that we forget the Lord of the work. You know, sometimes we, we you see, you get so caught up, we, we, we volunteer for this, we volunteer for that, and we put ourselves out there. But in the end, ultimately, to what end are we doing this? Is it to be recognized as somebody who's really gung-ho, who's all in with Jesus? 
or is it because we realize the one who has called us to this service calls us to be like him, who are meek and humble of heart? What a contrast, right? He's, he's highlighting how the Pharisees are such practitioners of the law, teachers, making sure they cross every T, dot every I, making sure they follow every, every prescription, and yet they excuse themselves when it's convenient for them, such as the Sabbath day, recognizing the rest of the Sabbath. And Jesus, we know on occasions, he would heal on the Sabbath in their presence. And he said to them, you hypocrites, this woman here, who's been in the grip of Satan for all these years, you know, bent over in bondage, was it not good for her to be relieved of this, of this bondage on the Sabbath? And yet, if your ox, if your child falls in a cistern or into a ditch on the Sabbath, are you not going to lift that, that beast of burden or your child out of that ditch? You most certainly will. And then he follows up by saying, you hypocrites. You adorn yourselves with the trappings of the office that you have been entrusted with to lead the people through teaching, but especially by your example in the ways of righteousness, in the ways of God, and yet, in reality, you excuse yourselves and hold the people, and then in so doing, you put an added burden and will not lift one finger to assist them. We contrast that with Jesus, who says, come to me, all of you who are in this life, who are burdened and weary, come, take my yoke upon you, it's easy, my burden, it's like, come and learn from me, who am meek and gentle of heart. And the phylacteries that they would wear, you see the Orthodox Jews still wear this today, the very strict observers of the law, the rabbis, they will, they, it's like a leather band and they have a box, it's a leather box and they have a miniaturized um, copy of one of the scriptures that they've memorized. Per, per, maybe it could be Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. It may be that, but or whatever. But they put it in there as an external sign for themselves, as a reminder to themselves so that when they're praying, that they ought to strive after making that word a part of them so that their very living, their very actions will move as a, an extension of what the word says but they were wearing it to gain the esteem. They wanted the attention. They wanted to be seen as being so holy and devout in their practices and so forth and so on. But in reality, it was not the case. Even Jesus, imagine, look how humble the Lord was. He is the Word made flesh. He is the Word. If anybody knew the law, he knew it. He would even wear the, the outfits that were accompanying, that were meant to highlight uh, fidelity to the laws of God and so forth. The tassels, remember the woman who was hemorrhaging for 12 years. If I could just touch the tassel of his cloak, I would be healed. So yes, Jesus, again, not downplaying the significance of the outfit, but it's to what end are you adorning yourself and carrying yourself? And he's saying this to the crowd. He's saying this to the disciples because we must not be that way. And what a wonderful word we have to the Thessalonians today in the first epistle of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. The, the reality of what does this look like in practice. We hear St. Paul saying, we were gentle among you as a nursing mother cares for her children. With such affection for you, we were determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, 
but our very selves as well, so dearly beloved had you become to us. You recall, brothers and sisters, our toil and drudgery, working night and day in order not to burden any of you. We proclaim to you the gospel of God. And then he closes by saying, and thankfully, and how blessed it is that you received it as it truly is, the word of God at work in you, and not merely the word of man, but the word of God. And so when we, as a Catholic community, refer to and conclude the readings of the Scripture and say the word of the Lord, or what have you, the gospel of the Lord, we mean, we're not meaning it to be understood so much with, oh, it's the Bible, the book that contains the written record. We reference it as the living word coming alive in its proclamation, stirring in the hearts of those who have been claimed by Christ in the waters of baptism, those of us who have been regenerated. And probably one of the most um, challenging things to hear today for us as Catholics in our tradition is where Jesus says, Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. Now, does Jesus mean this literally? Is this an absolute injunction that he's making? No, he's not. He is speaking in hyperbole. He's exaggerating this to highlight again the gross uh, way in which the Pharisees, the leaders of the time, were putting themselves out there, enjoying the titles and enjoying the accolades that come with it. So what happens is people will take a text and take it out of its context. A text outside of, without context is no text at all. To interpret the scripture properly, it must be interpreted in its full context. So when you look at what Jesus is saying, and then we look at the full context of the New Testament, we discover that Jesus did not speak this absolutely. This, is what, this was not a prohibition, absolutely. He was making an example. We hear in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7, Stephen, right before he is about to be stoned, he addresses the council. He says, and the high priest said, is this so? And Stephen said, brethren and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham, who, when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. And then we turn to St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 14. He's giving fatherly admonition, and so it says, I do not write this to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus, through the gospel. And then finally, in the first epistle of St. John, chapter 2, verse 13, we read, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. So that's its proper context. But Jesus, again, speaking with hyperbole, exaggeration, to highlight the gross negligences that were being realized and presented to the community by the Pharisees and those other leaders who were putting up a good external show, 
but interiorly they were devoid of substance. So how ought we to be? Obviously, this is a major word for me because I'm one who has to stand before you and I've tried my best. We fall short, but it's to strive after the, the gospel, the Lord Jesus himself. But I think about St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and I think this is a wonderful way to conclude. She was being interviewed, and in the interview they were curious. They said, Mother, you tend to so many of the poorest of the poor on the streets of Calcutta and different areas of the world. When you take care of them, when do you begin to proselytize? When do you begin to, to invite them to accept Jesus as their Savior? And she said, in response, she says, the first thing we do is we attend to their person. We attend to their basic needs, fundamental needs of a human person created to God's image and likeness. We attend to that. After we restore them and they have strength and so forth, they're nourished again and so forth, then I simply ask them the question, would you like for me to share with you about Jesus? And they in turn will say to me more times than not, is he anything like you? To which I say to them, I am striving to be like him. And they respond by saying, please tell me everything about this man. So this is the way. We may not all have the eloquence of speech. We, not be, we may not be able to quote chapter and verse. But we, by virtue of baptism, have received the love of God. Been poured, it's been poured into our hearts. That is sufficient for you and I to know the one who has called us by name. We know his word. Even when our leaders disappoint us and don't themselves practice what they preach, it does not negate or take away from the efficacy, the power, the living power of the word of God, which is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We pray for the grace to know our place under heaven, under God's authority and leadership, and help us to pray one for another, especially for those charged with this great responsibility, that they truly might, truly might repent of whatever they may be doing, which is at odds with the essence of what the Word of God is meant to be. A light unto one's path, that sustenance to the soul by which we live by, above and beyond bread and water. We need the Word of God as it truly is, the Word of God. God love you.